Well, you have, have you ever experienced a time in worship, in singing, in what we just did, where you were sitting next to, pers- to someone or near someone who was just awful, awful, and you, it was distracting to you? And don't look at your neighbor right now and say, it's you, man, it's you, you're the one that he's talking about. This is not part of the application of the sermon, this is the introduction of the sermon, Okay. But yes, there are times in our worship when we're singing these praise songs to God that we can be distracted by awful worship. And there was this time where I had this person near me that was one of these people, and I was thinking, who let a dying horse into the auditorium? What is happening? Why is this is just so awful? And I can't even focus. I'm trying to sing to God, and this is just distracting me. But I learned a valuable lesson from my tone-deaf neighbor that day. I learned by his posture, by the way he was singing those songs, the way that he cared about the lyrics that he was singing, the way that he was presenting his worship offering to the Lord through song. I learned that day so much about singing praise songs to God. And I felt ashamed. I felt guilty. Because we can learn so much from people who care about worshiping, whether or not they know how to sing. They care about worshiping the Lord. Have you ever stopped and considered and wondered, why do we sing songs? Why do we sing songs in our worship? What's the whole point of lifting our voices to God? Why is this even an aspect of worship? I don't even like singing. Why is this part of what we do in our worship together? Well, Psalm 95 helps us see that. But before we turn there, I want you to think about this. If you were to be asked this today, I'm sure some of you in the room would be asking the same question. You wouldn't be able to answer that question. I don't know why we sing to God. I don't know why we, this is an aspect of worship. Well, Psalm 95 helps us a little bit with that. So turn with me to Psalm 95. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Psalm 95, please turn there in your Bibles. We're looking at it in the ESV, whether it's on your phone or in the physical Bible. I want you to have your eyes on the text. So please look at this with me this morning. Psalm 95 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Now, joyful noise kind of sounds like my tone-deaf friend. (laughs) What that means there is really just a triumphant, joyful cry, a a, a loud praise. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's joyful to hear, but it means that it's joyful to, to the person that's lifting up these praises to God. Verse number three, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Singing is a vital and necessary part of our worship. Now, this is just going to be acting as a springboard into what we will look at throughout Scripture about what singing's all about and why singing is a part of worship. But 
even in the first couple uh, verses, we can draw out the first point. But before I get there, I want you to understand that singing is worship. Worship is about who? God. Worship is not about you or for you. Singing worship songs is for him. It's about God. And that is so important to remember as we dive into what the Bible has to say about singing these songs to God. I want you to honor God with how you worship him through song. It's kind of the main idea of this sermon. I want you to honor him with how you worship him through song. Look back at uh, verse 1 and 2, where it's just a clear command of, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence. It's this command, this obligation. We, it's a duty. It's what we have to do. And, and that's what we uh, need to start with when we understand why we sing. Uh, point number one, understand why we sing. And there's five subpoints that I have of why do we sing. I want to put this out on the table first. We need to understand biblically why we sing. Why we lift up these praise songs to God. And letter A, start with this. Singing is commanded by God. Singing is commanded by God. I know sometimes that doesn't stir any emotion within you. It's like, you know, dad told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Sometimes that's like, oh, that's a cop-out answer. But here, who are, we, who are we dealing with? Again, we're dealing with God. If God is the author of worship and how he wants to be worshipped is, is how he tells us to worship him, we have to understand that it's first a command of God. That's the most important thing is that it's commanded by God. God tells us to do it, therefore we do it. We sing. The Bible has 400 references to singing. And it also has 50 direct references, direct commands, if you will, to singing worship songs to God. Let me just give you a few examples. Psalm 96, verse 1 through 5. Psalm 96, if you're there in Psalm 95, just turn your page to Psalm 96 and look at this. It says right here, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So we see again a call, a command by God to sing. Psalm 101, Psalm 100, verse 1, it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. There's that term again of singing to God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Psalm 68, verse 4, Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Psalm 149, verse 1, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Of course, you notice those are all Psalms, right? I mean, the, the biggest book in the Bible is a book of songs, right? There's a purpose. God wants us to sing. God is telling us, lift up our voices, sing to him. And of course, it's for him. And we'll learn that there's benefits that we can take from singing joyful songs to God. But also, we have to start here and recognize this is for God, commanded by God. Letter B, singing ignites your love for God. Singing ignites your love for God. Have you ever been driving down the road and you're just belting out a worship song in the car? You guys are, yeah, you're afraid to say, I know every single one of you have done that, right? Or in, in worship, even like right now, like you, you, a song that, that just connects with you and resonates with you really well and you just feel it, right? 
It ignites that love for God that you otherwise probably wouldn't have felt if you didn't. And it's a beautiful thing that it connects us with the Lord as we sing these songs, these lyrics, which we'll talk about later, of why they're so important that just draw us nearer to God and closer with God. And it expresses our love to God through song. It ignites that love within us. I mean, singing, you know, sometimes we try to uh, steer away from, oh, um, you know, don't be so emotional in singing. But we got to be careful because there is emotion in singing. Right? We should have emotion as we're singing to the Lord. We should, it should be joyful, as you saw, and we read, we read in all of these psalm examples. It's, it's a joyful noise to God. It should stir up joy in our hearts. It's an emotional exercise. And that's so important that we have to remember that singing, as we understand why we sing, singing ignites our love for God. It connects us with God. It draws us nearer to God. Letter C. Singing strengthens you in trial. Singing strengthens you in trial. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts chapter 16. And what they do in prison, well, the the reason why they're in prison is essentially because they called out a girl that was uh, doing divination, fortune-telling. She was uh, doing something wrong, and then uh, basically she got uh, arrested. And and, yeah, you'll, you'll read it. I'll read it right now for you. Read the context. It says this. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. They were pastoring Paul and Silas. Paul, having become uh, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. So he exercised the demon from her. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. Drop down to verse 25. As they were thrown into prison, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. That was their response to being thrown into prison. They didn't sit there, they didn't complain. No, they were singing to God in the midst of the trial that they were in, right? Some of you may be in trial and you can be singing these hymn songs to God and it will bring you joy. It will connect you with the Lord. Some of you are facing difficult times right now and singing, something you might not even think about, singing songs to God will bring you peace and joy in those moments. Letter D. Singing builds unity in the church. Singing builds unity in the church. What do I mean by that? Well, in Psalm 95, there are six times where the phrase, let us, is used. Let us is used six times in these uh, seven verses. And there's a purpose that we're singing together. Let us, as a congregation, do this together. Let us sing together. I mean, think about it. You're here right now. You're in your ministry right now. Or if you go to main service, you're there. We're singing. We're doing it collectively. And how does that unify us? Well, we're singing collectively a song to God together. 
right? It, it brings us unity because we're singing about the same thing to the same God, about the same theology, all of this together. It brings us together. It unifies us as a ministry and as a church. It's a collective body of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ coming together to sing songs to God, and that unifies us together. We're doing this together. Also, it's kind of cool to think that we'll be doing this in heaven. In Revelation 19, verse 1 to 3, we'll be doing this together in heaven. It says, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more, they cried out, hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. So they're singing in heaven at this moment. There's other examples of that as well, where we're, uh, the saints are singing together in heaven. And, I mean, the fact that we can do that now as a representation of what we'll do in eternity is a really cool thing. It, it should unify us. It should bring us together. Letter E. Singing teaches you about God. Singing teaches you about God. You guys remember those kids' ministry songs, those, those old songs? Some, maybe some of the leaders, this will, this will hit you a little bit harder, but the power of song, let me prove the power of song to you here really quick. Jesus loves me. Right? Okay, another one. He's got the whole world. Oh, whoa. How'd you know that? That's pretty cool. How about this one? This little light of mine. Right? The classic nursery, the Christian nursery rhymes, if you will. Now, these are more stuck in my head because I have two children that listen to these like every single day. But, I mean, you get the point where songs are powerful, right? And they teach us a lot of theology. And we learn that from Colossians 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, verse 16. That's the whole point of this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all, in all wisdom. How? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So it's so important that our songs are reflecting theology, good doctrine, and good uh, knowledge about who God is. That's how we learn about who God is, even from our infancy, we learn about who God is through song. Of course, we learn about God, who God is in other variations, but you saw how powerful songs can be. You probably haven't sung that song. I've sung that song a hundred times in the last week, but you probably haven't sung this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine in the last week. But you remember it, right? Because songs are powerful. And songs teach us about who God is. Christians get edified through music. They get edified through the, the, the songs that we worship uh, use and worship and sing to God. Doctrinal truth, all of that. We learn so much about who God is through our songs. And that's what Colossians 3 is talking about, is that we can learn doctrine. We can learn about who God is. Okay, once we understand why we sing, which hopefully that was a helpful overview, back in our text, Psalm 95, verse 3 and 5, Psalm 95, verse 3 and 5, For the Lord is a great king, and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Psalm 
95, 3 through 5, this is talking about who God is, right? So this is connection to letter E here, that we learn about who God is and about theology and doctrine from our lyrics, right? So words are clearly important. Words in the songs that we sing are clearly important, and focusing and understanding those words is important because we're singing to God. You have to remember who we're singing to. When you're singing these praise songs, when you stand in here and you sing these songs to God before we start this sermon, you have to understand that you're not only singing into the air, you're singing to God. That's who's receiving the worship. That's who's receiving the offering. God is. So the words we sing to him are so important. Number two, contemplate the words that you sing. Contemplate the words that you sing. Think about them. I want you to imagine you're at a a job. Let's just say some of you have a job, some of you don't have a job, but I just want you to imagine you're employed and you get a letter from your employer and on the letter it says uh, termination of employment, but you ignore it because you're just admiring the, the envelope. Oh man, this envelope's so cool. Look, it's like manila folder and it's got like this little see through thing where I can see my name. Oh man, that's so cool. I wonder what kind of, uh, where they bought this, Staples, I don't know, Office Max, wherever, where'd they get this? This is so cool. And then you open the letter, and uh, you, you don't really care to read it, even though it's telling you, hey, you're laid off, and you need to pack your stuff and get out of here. You don't really read that. You don't care about that. No, you know, you're admiring the, the paper stock. What kind of font did this guy use? Times New Roman? What, it was 12, 12 point, 11 point? What's like the standard in high school now? Is it 11, 11 and a half? It's 12, 12 point? All right, that's universal. 12 point? Times New Roman? No, no, no. This guy's doing Ariel. Comic Sans? He's firing me in Comic Sans? Are you kidding me? This guy doesn't care about me at all. But imagine that for a second. The message in the letter entirely missed. Why? Because I'm focusing not on the words. I'm focusing on the letter. I'm focusing on how the message was delivered. I'm focusing on the thing that is not important. And sometimes we in worship can focus so much on, oh man, I wonder if this guy's going to be a good singer. Oh man, I wonder if they can, they're going to be able to make a melody. I wonder if this song is going to be soothing to my ears. I want and we're completely not caring about the words, right? Even if it's a song that's good and biblically accurate and, and, and something that we can trust and sing faithfully to God, we completely miss the point of singing the lyrics, the song, the, the words rather, to God. We have to contemplate, we have to think about the words because that's what's important. The words are important. Now, I'm not saying that music's not important. God also tells us to use musical instruments when we pray, uh, sing praise songs to God, but I'm saying the words matter the most, right? That is so important when we're worshiping God, when we're singing praise songs to God. I want you to think about those things. The next time you sing a song, you're thinking about the theology that's going on in these words. And, the, and you're thinking about, like, you're actually singing these to God. You're offering these to God when you're singing these songs. They're not just going into the air. They're not just going off floating. You're singing, God, you're in the presence of God, and God is either receiving or rejecting, rejecting your offering of worship in song. I want you to think about those words. Think about it. If you... Do you, I mean, do you care about what you say to your teacher? I mean, some of you might not, but for the most part, right? So you guys are sitting here, you know, you, you care about 
what you say to your teacher. You care about what you say to your friend. You care about what you say to your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You think about the words that you say. At least if you don't, you probably should. But you care about the people that you're talking to and how you communicate to that person. How much more does God deserve our careful communication? And that, is, that comes from sing, when we sing those songs. That's part of it. Those are words that we're saying to God. That has to be your mindset when we sing these praise songs to God. It has to be, I'm here, I'm singing. The, the, the things that I'm singing, God is receiving. God is hearing this, right? That has to be the intention. And some of you, some of you might be distracted, right? I'm, I'm, I've done this before. You're sitting there, you're standing, you're trying to sing, you're trying to focus. Oh, what am I going to eat for lunch today? Right? Oh, that homework assignment, man, that's really, that's something I got to work. But you're st- you might be still saying the words, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like when you read a book. You read a book and you have to go back and be like, what, what did I, you just read five pages and you had no idea what you read. Have you done that before? Yes. We do the same thing when we're singing to God. What did I just say to God? I forget. Oh, well. No, that cannot be our posture before God. We have to care about the words. I mean, in fact, sometimes if this is a pattern for some of you, you should repent of being distracted when you're saying, that's how important this is. Because it's offering of worship. Because it's not for you, it's for him. And he cares about the words that you use. You should repent of the distractions. Number two, the other side of this is that you got to care about the lyrics. So we have to think, we have to contemplate, right? We have to think about those words. But you also have to care about those words. What do I mean? What's the difference? Well, sometimes the songs that, we, that we're singing are not good lyrics, right? We're offering this type of worship to God with these lyrics that God doesn't want or are not true of who God is, right? And that's so important. I mean, there's some songs that maybe you're listening to that you probably shouldn't listen to anymore because the, the lyrics themselves are not honoring to God. And I'm not talking about secular music. I mean, yeah, you shouldn't do that either, but I'm talking about actual people who are saying, I'm a Christian, this is a worship song, I'm going to lift it up to God. And a lot of times, it's about them and it's not about God. And that's a problem too. They've got it backwards, right? We have to be careful and carefully listen to those lyrics. We have to be careful the, the type of words that we're singing to God. Yeah, we can get so caught up. You know, yeah, I mean, there's musically talented people that miss the mark right? And we can be, we, we can focus so much on the musical talent and so much on, um, you know, the melodies and the rhythms and all of that and, and kind of bypass the lyrics. Augustine, one of the, you know, theological giants of the uh, early church, he wrote in Confessions, he wrote this. He said, I am inclined, though I pronounce no irrevocable opinion on the subject, Two, approve of the use of singing in the church, so that by the delights of the ear, the weaker minds may be stimulated to, do, to a devotional mood. So he's not saying, hey, music's not a, it's good, that's fine. Like, we, should, we, should, we should care about music being good and sounding good. However, yet, when it happens that I am more moved by the singing than by what is sung, I confess myself to have sinned wickedly, and then I would rather not have heard the singing at all. Right? I mean, that it should resonate with us because I think all of us have fallen short in those areas. 
Look back at our text, the final two verses here. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So we see this type of posture that we have before God, right? This, this type of heart that all of us should have before God. You need to have the right heart before God when you sing. So we got the right words, right? Contemplate the right words. Think about the words that you're singing, but also make sure that your heart is right before you sing and during the singing. Letter, or, uh, number three, rather. Check your heart when you sing. Check your heart when you sing. So there's this basketball player who is very good, very good basketball player on the Denver Nuggets, big guy, he's like seven-something, seven feet tall. His name is uh, Nikola Jokic, Jokic, right? So some of the, I've lost the girls, guys. Um, the, he's very tall, he's very good, he's from like Russia or something, right? Um, Serbia, he's from Serbia. Thank you, gentlemen, thank you for correcting me. So this guy does not care about basketball, but he is literally probably right now the best player on the planet, right? But he does not care. It's a job. It's a nine to five for this guy, right? After he won the NBA championship like six months ago or whatever, uh, and this was the first time Denver's won in a really long time. He's on Denver Nuggets. After he won the championship, they said, hey, the reporter asked, hey, you, you know, you ready for the parade? And he goes, parade? What parade? In his Serbian accent. No, I need to go home. Like, he did not want to go to this parade. He was done. He's like, no, I did my job. I'm done, man. I don't want to do any of this. And when you see him on the court, the guy's just like, like he, but he will make it, and it's a perfect pass every time. It's like, it's crazy. It, it doesn't matter. You guys should watch highlights of the guy. You'd be like, dude, this is like my friend's dad who decided to go play basketball professionally and was just amazing at it. Anyways, Nikola Jokic. It's funny, we can learn a lot from Jokic about, uh, our heart in worship, believe it or not, right? Because sometimes we approach worship in the same way. We approach our singing to God as if we don't even care. Just as he approaches his profession as if he doesn't even care. The difference between him and you is that God will reject that worship and him, I guess he's just going to win NBA championships. But the point is, guys, is that you need to examine your heart. You need to have the right heart before God when you worship him. You need to have the proper heart before you sing those songs to God. Why? Because God cares about your heart. He cares about how your posture is before him in worship. And he tells you how to have the right posture before him in worship. Stop going through the motions. Don't go through the motions in your worship. Think about the lyrics. Examine your heart. Make sure you have the right attitude, the right heart before God. Right? I mean, some of us can walk in. We, you walk into True North and you, you start the song. Oh, this song again? Okay, well, I'm praising, glorifying. Okay, great. Check. I worshiped and you leave for the day. Did you worship? No, of course not. It's a wrong heart. It's completely wrong perspective in worship. We're offering praise to God. It's an offering to something else. Not about you, about him. Singing to God should really be a joyful experience, right? It should bring joy. Joy connects us. It draws us nearer to the Lord. 
as we talked about in point one. Yeah, I mentioned this briefly, but you got to have the right attitude, right? If you come into worship, are, is it humble? Are you coming with humility before God? Are you coming with a worshipful, a worshipful heart? Or are you coming with just arrogance and flippancy and you just don't care? And it's just another thing that we do. It's just a tradition that we do in church. No, it's not. God commands it of us and he wants us to do it rightly. And that starts with having that right attitude. And sometimes we can have it so backwards. Well, you know, they didn't play the song I like. Who cares? That song didn't make me feel really good. Well, okay, that, get over it. The band didn't sound that good. Well, I don't care. It's not about that. It's about singing to God. It's about the lyrics. It's about the worship. It's about experiencing this moment with the Lord and offering this worship to, the, to God. Got to have the right attitude. But also, you got to check your heart by repenting of sin before you come before God and offer this type of worship. Right? If you have unrepentant sin in your heart, that needs to change. You got to get right with the Lord before you come and try to worship him. We come with such flippancy into, into the, uh, our service and we sing these songs and we go back and start doing the same sin that God told us to repent of. You got to come with uh, a repentant heart, asking God for forgiveness. Why do you need to take this so seriously? That's probably the question you're at. Like, why is this such a big deal? Of course, because God makes it a big deal. But I just want to warn you, as we look at Leviticus chapter 10, what improper worship can result in. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 to 3, about Nadab and Abihu. They were the sons of Aaron. And I'll read it for you. It says, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it. And they laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Right? Because God's the one who tells us how to worship him. Why? Because it's not about us, it's about him. And they offered unauthorized fire before God. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord has said, among those who are near, I will be sanctified, and before all the people, I will be glorified. God really takes improper worship seriously. He takes that seriously, and so should you. Especially you, Christian. You should take worship of God seriously. And that's what singing is. It's worship of God. It's not a tradition. It's not just something we do. It's not just something we say. It's actual offering of worship to the God that you serve. You got to take it seriously like God takes it seriously. And some of you, I mean, some of you don't care at all. Right? Some of you are sitting there, you're making jokes, you're poking your friends, you're elbowing your buddy, you're pointing out your phone, some funny thing on, on your phone right, while you're worshiping God, that needs to stop entirely. Like, even if, you, even if you're not a Christian and you don't care about any of this, you should show respect to the people around you. You should show respect in those ways. You're storing up judgment for yourself, but that's besides the point. Even you Christians can do that, right? You can take it flippantly and you can Make it, uh, take it uh, lightly and not care at all about the worshiping and you'll joke and you'll prod your friend and poke him and be like, ha ha, whatever, while you're singing songs to God. It's improper worship. We gotta be careful with how we approach God in our worship. 
Because that's what singing is. It's worship. So how to get your heart right? Well, some practical things is just pray. Pray. Get your heart right to God. Pray. Ask for a humble heart. Ask for a worshipful heart. Ask God to get your mind right before you even start singing. And if you're in the singing and you catch yourself distracted or making a joke or whatever, stop, repent, ask God for forgiveness and get back in line and start talking to God or start worshiping God rightly. Right? Pray. God will answer that prayer. Humble yourself before God. Remember this during worship, right? Having that right heart. But also you can remove distractions too. Right? Do whatever you can what, when we start singing these songs to, to remove those distractions. And for some of you, that may mean that you're not sitting next to the person that you're sitting next to in worship, quite literally. That might mean like if I, I need to focus my mind and my heart and think about these words, and in, in the best way for me to do that is to literally not sit next to this person. That might be something you have to do. Remove distractions from yourself. I want you guys to consider this. I want you to think about this. And we're going to do something a little bit different, a little bit more unique. We're going to sing two more songs because I want you to actually put this stuff into practice. I want you to have the right heart. I want you to think about the words. I want you to contemplate the words that we're about to sing. We put the lyrics up there for you so you can think about it. You can think about the doctrine. Think about the theology. Think about what you're singing, you're saying to God. Have the right posture. Have the right heart. And make sure that you're worshiping God rightly right now. Because that, remember, that's what this is. It's an offering of worship to him. So I'm going to pray. The worship band's going to come up. We're going to sing two more songs for you guys. So please, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. God, help us with this. I think this is something that we struggle with. I think every single person in this room doesn't do this perfectly. But God, help us to do this better. Help us to do that right now better, to worship you rightly, have the right mind, have the right heart as we approach you with this offering of worship, that we care about the words that we sing, that we consider, that we think about the worships, uh, the lyrics we sing. And God, that our heart and our mind is right before you. And some of us need to pray right now and get our minds right. I pray that now for our people that we can have our minds and our hearts right before you as we sing these next two songs. God, allow this to be a thoughtful an emotional and intentional time of worship. And please, God, be pleased with our worship as we sing these things to you. We pray in Jesus' name.